Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Cane and Rinse podcast, volume 11, issue 542. And we're talking today about the game Neo. Joining me, Leon Cox, in this issue, we have Leah Haydu. Man, I wish I had a spirit cat. Kanji doesn't do any of that cool stuff. <laughs> Hopefully he hasn't got an eye patch either, although it is kind of cute. <laughs> no, not not currently. I think he would. Pro- <laughs> I mean, I could try for like a Halloween costume, but I don't think he'd like it. No, no, not all cats are up for being dressed. No. Uh, Rich Davison, welcome. Hello, freed from my mortal coil. Yeah, indeed. Uh, we record this in, in limbo. And Ryan Zhao also. Neo to you too. <laughs> Hello, everybody. Uh, so Neo, yeah, it's... Uh, the simpl- simplest description I could come up with was was it's a third person action RPG, <laughs> which, yeah, sounds quite reductive, but people like to know it's going to be completely futile to avoid all FromSoft and Souls references in this show because the game clearly takes quite a lot of inspiration from those. And so we obviously will talk about it in regards of those games, but also from the point of view that I'm certainly no expert in those. We've got some correspondence, of course, which alludes to that. But we'll also focus, I think, upon some of the differences and some of the things that makes Neo its own thing uh, and stands out as very much a, a Team Ninja product. So uh, the game is five years old, I guess, give or take. Did you pick it up back at launch on PS4 in 2017, Leah? Pretty close, yeah. Uh, I remember that I I didn't really have it on my radar too much when it came out. Um, I I think that I had the impression at the beginning, kind of as you mentioned, that it was very similar to being a Souls-like. So, of course, that's an attractive thing if you're me, I guess. Mm -hmm. Then I think a lot of other people actually had the same kind of impression because it was very hard to get a hold of around here for a little while. Okay, I'm not sure exactly whether that was a a product limitation, like they just didn't produce enough copies, or whether it was just something that was local to me. I'm not sure, but I I do know that it was um, kind of kind of uh, out of stock for a while. And uh, when I did get a hold of it, I, of course, put it immediately on my shelf where it sat until I was going to play Neo 2. So I played this game for the first time. I guess it would have been last year or maybe late the year before. I should have checked my list. Uh, but yes, it was it was pretty recently. I did not play it right at launch, but I did buy it right at launch. Uh, and most of that was actually uh, in co-op with Rich, so yeah. um, which I think is something <laughs> that you and I have in common, uh, Leon. Yeah. So yeah, uh, yeah I, I've played the entirety of the game through once and then I went back and I played a little bit more just before the record not just before the recording but for the recording and I didn't get too far I got to a boss that we may or may not talk about specifically but the problem was that I had my save from from my first playthrough so I kind of went into a new game plus and I was a little bit too low level for a new game plus but I was way too high level to just go back and do the new game levels again and I didn't really want to start a completely new new game without any of my progress so I ended up not getting too too far on my second playthrough but uh yeah I have just a refresher yes exactly Ryan, how's about you? I think you played this on PC, as is your wont. Yeah, I did. Um, actually, I bought this game or have received it in you know free giveaways and stuff multiple times. It's one of those that I yeah. have like across. I think originally I bought it on PS4 during one of the Golden Week sales a few years on mm. from its release because it is one that gets discounted fairly cheap, fairly often. 
I've I've started it a number of times across platforms. I started it on PS4. I think I played through the first level. Um, I think I got to the first like Oni encounter, and that's usually where I drop off of this game. <laughs> yeah. um, I've started it on Steam and got to like probably roughly the same point. Uh, and then I got it on the Epic Game Store, which is where I ended up playing it through because I had a lot of technical problems on the PC version, which oh. we can uh, we can circle back to. But right. yeah, it's a, it, it's it's a very rough playing game on PC, unfortunately. It's usually not the case. But um, back, you know, I remember playing the technical beta or whatever, however they pitched it. Back, yes, um, yes. They had a limited run demo. And I think this was still when non-multiplayer limited time demos were kind of rare. And so this was yeah. a little bit of a novelty back then. This was, um, mm-hmm. I don't remember the year, was this 2016, 2017, somewhere around there? Yeah. And they've just, they've just run a similar thing with, with, their, with their forthcoming game. Yeah, yeah. You know, I was a big Souls fan. Um, this came out after Bloodborne, but it was before we had, I think Lords of the Fallen had come in out already, but it was before there was like a really mm. big kind of explosion uh, of yeah. Souls-like games. So, you know, for people who are into that, that specific subgenre of action RPGs, I think that this one, this one felt important, uh, not important mm. enough for me to, <laughs> to persist with for any amount of time, despite the, the sheer number of platforms that I owned it on. But uh, I, I eventually, yeah, just played it through and uh, saw the majority of the game fresh uh, in preparation for this podcast over the past few months. Yeah, we'll talk about your, your experience as we go, because it sounds like you, uh, you experienced a sort of a difficulty curve that I think uh, maybe we can all speak to, to some extent. As was coached to us often uh, in the background via our Slack channel by Rich, who was the most, who was the, the, the earliest true adopter of the game among us and, and possibly the most experienced player as well. Did, did your Neo Opus start back on PS4 in 2017? 2018, actually. So um, it was a game that my, my, my friend bought me for my birthday. Um, and it was one of those situations where nice. it's like a kind of like a mock present. Um, and what do I mean by that? I had a, <laughs> A particularly miserable time playing Dark Souls 1. Yeah, my friend bought that for me, knowing fine well that I don't like Souls-like games. And um, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I played it up. Well, the joke's on them yeah, now. <laughs> it really is. It's, it's quite the kind of turnaround. Um, what did I do? I played it originally up to, there's a submission called The Battle of Ohashi Bridge, which is some prime... Mm-hmm. Team Ninja nonsense. It, it's one of those levels that requires you to basically hit an enemy boss, I don't know, about a hundred times. But if you get hit one time or, or two times, it's curtains. Depending on your level. I mean, yeah, yeah quite. Sure. But if you're playing it sort of true to, to where to where you are in the game, I suppose. Like, you oh, know, yeah. It, no, don't do it's that. It's fairly miserable. <laughs> I, I was looking for a reason to come off Neo. Um, I think I was playing Final Fantasy XV at the time. Quite ironic, actually. I, I much prefer Neo to Final Fantasy XV now. But um, yeah, mm-hmm. wh- why am I back here? And why have I spent so much time on a game that I was looking for reasons to, to get rid of? So Jay picked up Neo. It has a, you know, we'll get into a fairly robust multiplayer component. Um, certainly yes. one, for my money, that's a little bit more consistent in the Dark Souls one and having played through Elden Ring recently I can say safely that it's way more consistent than that one and flexible yeah, indeed well. yeah so we played through the entirety of the game fully through co-op with the exception of one two levels I think the final yep. level epilogue is solo only fairly yeah. unforgiven to play in that kind of um, specific multiplayer yeah. component and then I played it through again 
And then I played it through on the Way of the Samurai, which is the essentially the yes. new game plus. And then I played mm-hmm. it through again on the Way of the Demon. And then I played through it again with Leah. Oh. And then recently I've played it through again with yourself. So my game clocks. I'd just like to say, I mean, this will be in my history, but we played some of it Quite. together. But I, I, I've played a hundred and something hours. And, and I reckon we've probably played about maybe 10 yep. hours together. So. Just, I think just, mine was almost entirely co-op. So. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's great fun. We'll, we'll obviously we'll talk about it. Sorry, Rich. I just wanted to just wanted yeah, to just, make it known there that I didn't co-op the entire yeah, game. for all the yeah. purists out there. Yeah. So um, you know, fairly like I, I know Neo like the back of my hand. I will forever eulogise yes. Neo Two as one of the finest so games. So that level we got lost in the other yeah, night. Indeed, you didn't know that like the back of your hand. Did you? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's hard. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it's really some of the levels are pretty confusing. Yeah. Um. And and I guess for like just lastly, just to cap off, like I struggle to differentiate between Neo One and, and Neo Two at, at times because I've played Neo One almost like kind of consistently, sure. and it just bled into Neo Two. And and I just want to repeat, yeah. Neo Two is, is, in my opinion, one of the finest games of the last X yeah. years. I can definitely see us coming back, uh, listener, to to Neo Two because, um, well, you'll find out how much we did or didn't enjoy Neo. But um, but Rich has been singing the praises of the sequel as being, in many ways, a, a refinement and an upgrade. So uh, maybe maybe this time next year we'll see. Anyway, uh, yeah, my history is I did buy it quite near release. Uh, I think maybe once it had just had a little of a few quid knocked off the price, and then did exactly what we talked about which is getting up to a certain point the first level i found really exciting and totally intense and engaging but it is so hard when you're new to this game uh, i think even compared to fromsoft's output the this is not a friendly climb on um and yes then you get to this one room where later in the game you'll be looking at this stuff and just walking through it and laughing at it and that's i guess that's the joy of these games to, to so many but the first time you enter this room and there's this sort of ominous cloud hanging in the air which signifies the presence of of, of demonic entities uh you 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 spawn it and then um the music starts and it feels like it's a kind of boss moment and i suppose it is at that point a kind of sub mini boss without a health bar or without a you know a big named bar at the bottom of the screen and um, yeah, I'm sure that thing killed me several times over while I was low level. And um, yeah, I probably bounced off with other games to play for the show and whatever else and had every genuine intention of coming back and yada, yada, yada. But uh, in the end, it was not until the PS5 Complete Edition Double Pack remasters came out that I actually uh, knuckled down. And so, yeah, I've been playing this really uh, on and off uh, since early last year 2021 um and making progress slow progress the whole time and then occasionally quicker progress uh to the point that yes i finished the finished the epilogue this afternoon and uh started the the new game plus type situation and i have questions uh for rich later on or, or possibly the rest of you but um so yes, Team Ninja made this game. Uh, Neo was first announced by the original developer Koei in 2004 under its working title Oni. In addition to the game, which was slated for a 2006 release, a, a feature film directed by Kurosawa's son, Hisao Kurosawa, would be produced alongside and inspire the game. The entire project's budget was estimated at being around 3 billion yen. The movie tie-in was eventually cancelled in 2005 due to unspecified production problems with the game becoming a standalone project. Neo was first shown off in a trailer at the 2005 Electronic Entertainment Expo when it was uh, announced on PS as a PS3 exclusive. 
At the time, the title was romanized as Ni-O, with a hyphen in there. Initially slated for a 2006 release, Neo missed its announced release date, and no update on the game was issued until 2009, when Koei Tecmo stated that the title was still in development. And that's still pre-Dark Souls, right? Dark Souls was 2011. Similar updates would be issued over the following six years. The game, now retitled slightly as Neo, was in- reintroduced at the 2015 Tokyo Game Show as a PS4 exclusive, with a scheduled launch... Uh, in Japan in 2016. It was later announced for an international release at the PlayStation Experience in December that year, also 2016, according to the IMDb. Uh, Sony published it outside of Japan, but Koei Tecmo published it themselves in Japan uh, and on the PC. And the directors, the team, really a lot of people who were involved in the post-Itagaki Ninja Gaiden series, Ninja Gaiden 3 in particular, Ninja Gaiden 2, even Ninja Gaiden Black, which was the first kind of reissue of of that Ninja Gaiden, the Xbox original one that we've previously covered. Uh, One of the lead coders, if not the lead coder, Yuta Yamazaki, had previously worked on Metroid Other M, which is a game we'll cover in the future, and Dead or Alive 5. The art director, Hirohisa Kaneko, had previously worked on the Monster Rancher series, as well as Ninja Gaiden. And the composer, Yugo Kano, had only one video game credit up to that point, which was the downloadable PS3 exclusive, I think it was, called Rain. Uh, And Yugo Kano is much better known for work on movies and TV, I think, particularly in Japan, possibly anime as well. Uh, It was released, Neo, the original, February 2017 and November on PC of that year. And then the PS5 version, as I say, arrived early 2021. Open Critic has an average review score of 88, recommended though by 97% of its 131 critics. And over on the user side of things, Metacritic users have it at 8.3 and Push Square, the PlayStation site, have it at 8.2. And Steam only has it as mostly positive, which I assume is, uh, as as is often the case, is hit by the, the technical issues of the PC version. Yeah, I'd expect so. Sales-wise, it did ended up doing pretty well. There was a news article back in February 2020 that the game had shipped 3 million copies. Obviously, as always, that doesn't necessarily include all the giveaways and digital sales and whatever else. It was a PS Plus game at some point. Uh, and I can't remember what the upgrade options were if you had the PS4 version when the PS5 version came out. Uh, if you're interested in the differences, there's a comprehensive digital foundry video, as, you, as you'd expect. Uh, in short, the PS5 version looks nicer, loads faster. Right. The plot then. We've talked about this quite a lot in the lead up to recording this show. Uh, I will admit to having basically glossed over, skipped a number of the cutscenes and things like that. I've looked into the lore that this is based on. Cos, or some say Cosm from our forum, says the story was a non-factor. I didn't care for it at any point and basically zoned out or checked my phone whenever a cutscene started. Harsh, but fair. I mean, there's there's a lot in this story and it's... It's very loosely based on reality. It sort of seems to be retelling the story of the birth of modern Japan in from the from the feudal era and the involvement or not in real life of uh, William Blake, who in the game is portrayed as Irish, although he was actually from Gillingham. It's William Adams. William Adams. Who's uh, William Blake's the artist? William Blake's a poet. Yes. (laughs) William Blake's a poet. Oh my God! Like a, senior moment. A beautiful indictment, <laughs> well, Leon, of uh, your comprehension. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. well, yeah, that tells yeah, you totally. something. <laughs> yeah. That would be a very different game if it had been uh, William yeah. Blake. 
I just I knew it was generic, you know, white old old white dude name. <laughs> Will Adams then. Uh yes, Irish in the game for reasons unknown. Um I guess I guess maybe there was so the the story, the real life story of Will Adams of of which I've looked into a bit thanks to some YouTube videos and stuff is that he was indirectly responsible for the purging of the Portuguese and Spanish Catholics that were uh, spreading across Japan. Um, so maybe they made him Irish for some ironic reason. But yes, he's actually from Gillingham, which is a little town um, about 75 miles from where I live. Uh, any any greater comprehension on that, Rich? You said you were going to try to kind of wrap your head around it before we recorded. It seems to me that William Adams possibly is a person that has a little bit more impact in Japanese kind of history and he does, and and certainly like British history, of course. Unless you live in Gillingham, well, where he's all over. Yeah, the place. I did see that. There's a there's an interesting YouTube video where this man's uh, again like really laying in heavy about just how influential this gentleman was. But I, you know, I guess like you've you've hit the salient points, which is that by virtue of the fact that he was a, a British person uh, going into feudal Japan, and just by happenstance of happened to meet one of these incredibly powerful uh, feudal Japanese lords, he was able to influence the decisions of the. The, the daimyo and the, the war in states just to try and understand that there is actually life outside of Portuguese uh, occupation of Japan and, and give a sense of, you know, like you're not beholden to these particular individuals. It's it's really difficult to kind of like pass the story because there's so many different characters. And if you're not steeped in the actual, sort of, well, law is not the right word, but sort of actual history of Japan, it might be difficult to understand exactly who they are. And they move in and out of the story with such kind of frequency. It's, it's very difficult to kind of put names to faces and, and influence. Yeah. Also, some of them are dead sometimes, and some of them yes. are not dead sometimes. Yes. And some of them are yeah. possessed by demons, and some of yes. them can summon demons, and some of them can do both. I didn't I didn't dislike the story. I, I think that my issue with it was that I found it to be really interesting, but the pacing of the game was such that I didn't retain much of yeah, it. Right. And, yeah. and I mean, that's not necessarily the game's fault, at least not entirely, but I I had a really hard time absorbing this stuff in which I don't personally have much of a background mm. when most of the actual gameplay parts were, you know... Yeah. The, the 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 bulk of it and probably the more engaging part. I mean, maybe if they had put out a, a, a movie or even an anime or yeah, something like yeah. that, I probably would have really liked that. But um, as it was, I, I liked it for what it was, but it didn't sink in for me too mm-hmm. much. There's also an element of the storyline is is sort of given to you in sort of different ways. So part of the mm-hmm. story is almost like sort of in-game live action cutscene, and some of it yeah. is this like beautifully animated. Um, sections that kind of deal more in the fantastic. Uh, it, it's difficult to yeah. pull those two together. And I guess, the, you know, the amount of time that you might spend on a level when compared to the stories, almost yeah. slightly, there's like a dissonance between the two, meaning that quite yeah. often it, it's hard to pull the events of the actual game into the, the cutscenes. Yeah. And there's a, there's, a, there's a viewer, so you can go back and, and watch this stuff and maybe get more of a grasp of it by watching it in a... in short order in contiguous order and there's a really extensive sort of glossary come 
Very um, much so, yeah. Like help. Which you actually unlock elements of by continuing to replay bosses and things Indeed. like that. So you get more backstory the more times you, you kill something. One of the things that the one of the videos pointed out that we were watching is also that uh, just because you fight someone doesn't mean they're a villain. So it's very easy to kind of get into a, a section, uh, you know, a difficult boss fight against somebody and you're thinking, oh, this must be a bad guy. And actually that's, it's more like they're just, this is how they introduce themselves to one another. And of course, yes, all the all the legendary stuff is just woven in as, mm-hmm. as if it was historical fact, all the stuff with the monsters and the magic, when of course, uh, well, I th- you know, I, I think I'm going to go out on a limb and say none of that actually happened. <laughs> but, Nobunaga but didn't re- carry around a ghost peacock? I'm- no, well, sadly. Yeah, I'm- I think Neo, when we put them together, sort of show notes for Kinderman's, like we, we tend to kind of lump scenario and story in as, as mm. one almost like ubiquitous kind of like thing but it helps in neo to kind of pass the difference between the, the two the scenario is the yeah the warring states and really the the take-home from that is um the ever ambitious nobunaga and his influence on mm-hmm. some of the daimyo and, and his kind of cruelty and his like ambition i guess not to use the same word twice in one one sentence yeah, yeah. but he seemed to be a person who has the capability of galvanizing these states and, and forming of modern japan and actually the the, the kind of rough story of William Adams and his relationship with Edward Kelly can almost be kind of a like tread separately. Uh, of course, in real life, Edward Kelly never even made it to Japan and never met William Will, um, but was an interesting figure that's well worth reading about. And people believed that he was like a necromancer and all this stuff. But of course, uh, spoilers, he wasn't. Yeah. It's not real. And just to kind of cover <laughs> off really what the immediate storyline is. Edward Kelly is a alchemist come sorcerer come, I don't know, some kind of dark magician who is able to utilize the power of Amrita, which is... Uh, mm-hmm. Mikhail was talking to us about this, wasn't he? About the, the kind of relationship between yeah. Amrita and Ambrosia and just this, this concept of like this ethereal resource, yeah. if you like, with immense power. And what Edward Kelly wants to do is to actually control the supply of Amrita or kind of how it's exploited to try and raise armies to influence the the nation but it, it's weird isn't it because it, it's actually in in totality not really to do with japan it's actually more about the british empire and you know isn't yeah. that always the case in many ways yes and in fact it turns out in the end in a kind of a video game japanese video game trope particularly rpgs we talked about this in our final fantasy series there was somebody pulling the strings behind edward kelly all along and yes i chuckled wryly but hollowly to myself this afternoon as i found out that <laughs> if anyone who's been, anyone listening to this has been following uk politics recently to find out that the ultimate evil behind everything is in fact the british prime minister apropos i think that's yeah. the word you're looking for that's a good word yeah yeah, it was interesting watching, I think it was the PlayStation Access video on this uh, from uh, a lad who's, um, you know, one of their video creators, editors, who is from Gillingham and he loved Neo, he got the Platinum. And then he found that actually investing in the story and finding out more about it and rewatching it and stuff actually enhanced his enjoyment and his appreciation of the of the entire product, which, which I can dig. But uh, for me, it was... Like it was cool enough, and this this will segue nicely into our sort of visual uh, discussion about the the art design and the environments, the aesthetic. Is that just the setting itself from from that first rainy dungeon London level over to Japan and the various mountains and uh, bathhouses and 
fields and whatever else. Um, it was just for me, it was just a damn cool setting in which to fight freaky looking demons and you know, Japanese soldiers of various descriptions. Um, I just liked the I liked the, the, the atmosphere and the yeah, the setting, I suppose. I always kind of wonder if that first level set in the Tower of London was kind of like a like a reference back to the Dark Souls mm. series, kind of like mm. establishing, we know that this is what you think is normal for this type of game. Because I always yeah. think through, like the process of producing video games is so expensive and, you know, having to generate like an entirely different style of architecture, an entirely different set of enemies from a game that reuses enemies quite extensively throughout, like everything... Yeah in that initial level, even though it does come back at the very, very, very end, mm. it, it was all kind of custom. It must have been very expensive to produce for what was essentially like right. a tutorial. Yeah, it's even got its own loot, which is based yeah. uh, and and different shrines. And, and yeah, it, it, even mechanically, it functions differently, and as we Derek. say, to the point the Derek the Executioner. <laughs> yes. It's my favorite. Yes. Uh, He's the one that you're not supposed to beat the first time, but you probably can if you're good enough, but you can come back later and satisfyingly whoop his ass. Yeah. On the um, location, it's probably important to mention that it is not an open world in the same way that the Dark Souls, um, Soulsborne type secure games are. It's all modular levels. I personally find find it atmospheric and and i would say like even uh, obviously with you know post ghost of tsushima which was a late gen ps4 game originally but is uh, somewhat enhanced on ps4 pro and ps5 playing the ps5 version of this obviously it harks back to a 2017 base ps4 game it's uh, it's seldom like stunning to look at i mm-hmm. would say it's rarely mm-hmm. gorgeous or beautiful but i think it looks nice like it often looks it, it's pleasing on the eye uh, and um, and yeah, the settings I find, even if like, obviously it's not going to compete with Blue Points, Demon Souls as, as a, you know, a new gen single format exclusive. But, uh, but I, I did find it like there's a real, for me, there's a real strong sense of place and atmosphere. There's also more color in it than, than you yeah. get in a lot of <laughs> modern gen games. I, I mean, it's not without its brown and gray levels, but also, sure. you know, you, you get the the little green fellas who you oh, know the Kadama and you know your your um help me somebody help me out here guardian the, spirits yes thank you I completely blanked for some reason I knew what you meant yes your your multicolored attacks yeah of, it's it it helps yeah, out with yellow. drawing your attention to some of these things because it's not just the kind of drab colors that you might see in and this is not localized to dark souls type games at all it's Mm. a lot of modern generation Mm. games you know they may be really detailed but seldom are they very colorful and i I think that ties in very nicely with uh with the change in setting as well ghost of tsushima did something very similar that was a very colorful game that's not me saying that i think all japanese games are colorful or should be but it's it's it sets it apart for me I think that's a really sort of astute observation, the kind of difference between or the dichotomy between some fairly bland colours in levels. And, and I don't mean bland to sort of denigrate what they've done, but they are realistic and they're sort of really um, like endorphin rush of just a burst of Amarita when you eviscerate something or when you start attacking mm-hmm. an enemy while it's in a death animation and you just watch the limbs kind of pop off and there's just a explosion of colour and endorphins and, you know, that that nice kind of uh, chemical release Loot. that you get in your own brain from doing something successfully. So yeah, I'd agree with that. I'm a fan of dismemberment. Aren't we all? 
<laughs> aren't yeah. we all? Kind of tied to the aesthetics of the game, I found the levels to be very difficult to navigate. Um, and I think a lot of that has to mm. do with like, a lot of these levels are very labyrinthine and a lot of the hallways and corridors and, and stuff like that were either too dimly lit to be able to get a sense of like, <laughs> of place and where you are, or they all kind of end up looking the same. And so I would spend so much time kind of going in circles and just, you know, trying to find the way forward and running across the same hallways and the same corners and the yeah. same stuff over and over and over again. You know, I always think like if levels are going to be this big and, you know, have all these kind of intersecting shortcuts and pathways and stuff, like I feel like it does need some sort of a visual anchor to be able to orient yourself you know we look back to like mm. elden ring recently like had so many points of interest that you can always kind of like visually reference in the distance or even kind of self-contained levels like banjo kazooie like you can kind of see all of the major points of interest from anywhere on the map so you always kind of knew where in relation to everything else you were and so i always had a really difficult time with this one and then another one of the technical problems um that i ran into a lot on pc mm. and i'm kind of curious if this impacted you on ps4 as well uh, i mean i mean maybe i can uh, i can get back to some of the tech stuff on the steam version specifically earlier but even on the epic game store version which was leaps and bounds way more stable than the steam version was mm. there were it, it was not infrequent for entire portions of the map to just go invisible and it kind of looks oh, like no. what happens when you fall through a map and you can kind of see one way oh, yeah. through textures. No, that, um, that absolutely doesn't okay. happen on, on Yeah, on the I did not experience that at all. <laughs> yeah, there, no. are, there are many situations where just the whole course kind of, the walls went invisible. And so you would kind of be, oh, you, you could see no. the level off in the distance. You can see enemies, sure. you could see items and stuff. But And it was just kind of little stretches of the levels. And it was never really a problem because you could still kind of blindly feel your way yeah, through the path um, that's not except ideal, for no. in one situation which was like in the ninja house the kind of trap house that um yeah. that featured some kind of precarious beams you had to balance across and uh yes you know if you died and reset at the uh at the checkpoint then everything would go back to normal so it wasn't like a huge problem but it came up often enough to where it, it felt noticeable ninja trap house is my cover band <laughs> <laughs> There's uh yeah there's no there's no significant technical issues on console uh that I'm aware of there were a couple I think but they got patched out um yeah and the PS5 version offers uh, a 4K full 4K version pretty much at 30 fps uh 60 fps version which with uh, dynamic resolution scaling which is the way I play mm -hmm. it um only really slows down when you smash through loads of objects like you do in these games um they've kept the sort of smashable jars and crates in every room and, and in this game unlike in souls it actually they they sometimes pop items mm -hmm. and there's even a 120 hertz option on uh, on ps5 if you've got the screen for it with a super fast refresh rate um only runs at 1080p but if you like your your game's liquid smooth then you can do that too which i guess you can also do on pc but you may get some of the other glitches and whatever else, depending on your GPU setup and so on. Let's talk about the audio as well. Uh, another aspect for me that um, definitely enhanced the atmosphere rather than detracted for it. 
um, talking about the sound design. A lot of the levels have a, just a kind of a nice general ambience, often a bit creepy sometimes, slightly more relaxing and bucolic. Um, love the sound of the... I mean, basically my favourite, everything about this game that's my favourite involves a Kadama in some way. <laughs> little cute little green forest sprites with rice upturned rice oh, bottles on their heads. I'll tell you you're going to love Scampus when we get to, to Neo 2. Scampus. <laughs> <laughs> they they make a cute little squeaking noise when you uh you you find them and return them to your shrine and then when they're all sitting on the shrine they make a little noise which is the kind of I guess it's the the equivalent of of seeing the 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 fire in in dark souls in um but only this time you're greeted by these adorable little sprites um yeah, solid combat noises and and vocal samples samples satisfying clangs and swishes cool rain effects nice wind um yeah i i, I like the the audio or the soundscape in this game yeah I, I don't have much to add to that the the kadama thing i really like because you can just you can just stand somewhere and be really quiet and listen and you can hear where they're coming from and i yeah. mean it's a simple thing but it's something that that kind of made me happy so me too what about the soundtrack, uh, Rich? I think you picked at least one piece from this for Sound of Play when that was that was a, a podcast um, that was running. Yeah, it's very versatile. There's uh, quite a range of of um, you know from from bombastic tracks to to instantly let you know that you're in a situation of peril to what I consider to be some of the most like lilting, yeah, relaxing kind of mm. Japanese themed music that I've heard in a long time. I'm a big fan of. Um, the 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 track that plays in the harbor level, which is the the level with the water boss, I just think it's a it's like an old timer. But um, I want to I don't I don't really know. Like the, there's a fair amount of like I'm not really sure I could pick out certain tracks from the score. But if you were to play me a track from the Neo score, I could definitely place it as something from Neo. Ryan, you used to present Sound of Play. Yeah. <laughs> um. I mean, to be honest, this is mostly a podcast game for me, just because the levels okay. were kind of like long and sprawling and, and time commitments. And so it was nice to be able to kind of throw something else on. So I, I remember there was kind of one, it's probably the main theme of the game, kind of a big heroic theme that I would definitely kind of recognize and pick out. But the rest, um, yeah, I didn't spend like, I didn't pay like a ton of attention to. Fair enough. I, I, I also did play some of this game while listening to podcasts and things like that, because yes, you do get to that point where you've run the same levels many, many hours in a row and you have heard the loops and even even like you, you get to the point where you because you've you've played the game in the exact almost the exact same way multiple times, you get you get to kind of your brain's kind of preempting the enemy noises and things like that. And that can become a little torturous, I find. Leah, any uh, music in here that stood out to you? I don't think there's anything in particular, but I, I think that it did a good job of adding to kind of the visual ambiance with, with it, it fit pretty well for me, I would say. All right. Well, let's get into the meat and potatoes of Neo's gameplay. And there are a lot of aspects and facets to this, some more important than others, but ultimately layers and layers of interconnecting systems, possibly even more so than some of the games that, that we've referred to as well, uh, almost to a fault in the case of some of our feedback. And I, I, I think we'll start with a boring bit. Um, actually, which is the menus and UI, um, because I think it's fair to say you spend a lot more time in menus and UI and outside of levels in this game than than maybe you would expect from a FromSoft game. And I, I have now, after 100 hours, got very familiar with navigating the levels. And um, there was like a shortcut for select all, which I hadn't even clocked until about 
eighty something <laughs> hours in, and Rich pointed it out to me. That must have been in few in. <laughs> yeah, which which took which uh, took some of the. Um, so I guess one of the things that you you end up doing most often in this game, we will get into the loot, is offering loot to the shrine because that gives you Amrita, which is your souls currency in this game and you can sell it for cash but you end up with an abundance of cash generally anyway and obviously amrita are at a premium because they're what you use to level up so this process of after any mission kind of just shoveling items or actually during missions as well shoveling items into the shrine (laughs) i don't know how this would look if it was a real thing that was playing out um fortunately although you have a a, a, uh again i guess this is like other games of this genre or subgenre you do have a, a an encumbrance in terms of weight that you can carry but only if you're wearing it otherwise you can carry eight billion pairs of boots i guess maybe there's a limit um Anyway, sorry, I got distracted there. Uh, menus and, and UI, um, was this something that any of you found like actually detracted from the overall experience or were you fine with all the, the, the RPG style menu wrangling? I think my biggest issue with it, and I'm not, I'm not, this, this isn't even necessarily a, a UI problem. It's, it's kind of a combination of the UI and the, uh, just, the the game mechanics themselves Mm. but you get so much loot like you get too much Mm -hmm. loot and and i i feel like there had to have been a better way to maybe display and go through and and i know that you can sort things in various different ways and you can mark things as junk and you can lock things or whatever but yeah i mm, that it was overwhelming to me because I am the kind of person mm. who, when they pick something up, likes mm-hmm. to immediately go into their inventory and see if it's better than what I'm already <laughs> oh, using. Crikey. And you cannot do that in this game. It is, it is more of a Diablo-style loot game in that yes. respect than than anything else. And yeah, that drove me a little bit crazy. It, so. Is it? I mean, uh, forgive me because I've struggled a different... I mean, look, here's the reality. I, when I'm playing Neo, I just pick everything up because... Uh, the level that I am after this amount of time, anything that I'm picking up is barely of any use to me. So I just kind of get get mm-hmm. get through it. It could be Neo Two, where it actually gives you like almost like an immediate kind of green or red, giving an indication that it's actually doing a little bit more than what you've got. And like I don't know if I'm just biased or whatever the circumstances are, but I'm surprised that this is that much of a barrier for many people because. The advice that I would give to people looking to play Neo for the first time is just don't worry about it. As long as you're doing more mm. damage than you were previously, you're actually winning. Those kind of like looting mechanics are probably there in the same way they are for someone like Division 2 so that you can really look at getting more out of the end game. And I think, Leon, we were talking about yesterday, we were saying you're yeah. trying to peel away certain attributes from certain weapons um, to kind of build in the same way you might with the Monster Hunter, where you're looking to try and combine or thematically pull together certain builds that give you particular sets of advantages they are not to sort of denigrate your point at all it's just more a conversation about like i never really once felt it was a particular barrier for myself when i was playing it for the first time i think it's just how a particular person plays the game like if you are a type the type of person who is kind of taking the long view on it then maybe it won't be such an issue it was for me because i I mean, you've, Rich, you have played plenty of games with me, and (laughs) I very much am all about the little upgrades. Like, I I know how much you love menuing. Yes, I love menuing. I it's it's a problem. 
Well, I think um, thinking back to uh, Final Fantasy's uh, perhaps the the early to mid era, like if you found a new a, a new set of items, usually at the next shop, you would definitely want to equip them all because they would always they, they were deliberately doled out in such a way as to be an upgrade mm. generally. Uh, so it's, I could it is, just be poisoned in my brain. Like this is it's the type of games that I typically play are yeah. like like Leon, you were saying they they are the ones that reward that kind of yeah that that kind of not even attention to detail because that makes it sound way more deliberate than I think it actually is. <laughs> yeah. It's it's just, I, that's my brain wants me to do that. And I, I find it difficult sometimes to not do that, but especially when it's not an especially useful yeah. way of going about things. And it's not here really. And by the way, you could definitely be the kind of player who could spend almost an unlimited amount of time min maxing multiple builds for or multiple loadouts for different bosses and things like yep. that uh, i'm very much a jack of all trades kind of player it, it, i've ended up after a hundred and something hours with all green loot which isn't doesn't even unlock until the uh the very la- late stages of the game uh, i think possibly until after you've killed the the nominal notional final boss um then you can start getting this so there's uh so what is it white yellow blue purple green. yeah yeah and then the beauty um, of it of course is as soon as you get in a new game plus any loot that you pick any white loot that you pick up is better than your green loot in new game so you just go right back to can the beginning can confirm <laughs> uh okay yeah so uh, i suppose i actually quite enjoy the the fact that because this is mission based you go into a level and you come back out you can spend some time just sitting there and safely uh, because this game also maintains the the FromSoft thing of not having uh, an in-game pause as such. There are safe places you can stand when you know, of course. But if you want to muck around with your loadout or whatever, uh, it's I find it quite relaxing to have a space in which I can do that with some pleasant menu music playing. And I can go to the shop and you can visit various characters you've met along the way. It actually feels a bit like those who remember the... Um, the the swordmaster uh, modes on soul caliber mm. that kind of um that kind of deal ryan how do you feel about this would you, would you prefer have done kind of to do everything in the game or, or were you happy to come out and do in between level menu jiggery pokery i mean just yeah going back to the to the loot discussion like i think that mm. from a menu perspective there is too much um, and, and it does kind of clutter up those menus a little bit, but I do like loot systems in general. Um, I like that they that they always kind of feel like incremental progress is being made, even even if you're just killing kind of low level enemies, because there's always the opportunity that they might drop something new. That probably speaks to some sort of a gambling predilection uh, that's uh, that I hold. But um, but I think even more so, like I'm the I'm the type of person who likes to kind of mix up playstyles a lot. And, you know, I'm never going to be competitively viable in a fighting game because I always want to play new characters in every round instead of specializing in one in particular. Yeah, yeah. And so I tend to yeah. like games like this where they're always giving you, you know, upgrades on all the different types of weapons. So we say all the different types of weapons. There's like five types of weapons. It's more, more than that, I would say. Eight or nine. I, I think some of them have kind of overlapping movesets, though. Right. I, I, I yeah. haven't really boiled them down, but it's it's certainly not the like Elven Rings, like embarrassment oh, no. of riches that you'll get as far as variety goes. But I, I do like that the that this game gives you like viable at that point in the story options for any of the different 
branches that you go down and then maybe you'll find one that is such like mm. a big damage upgrade that you'll end up kind of switching over to a style of weapon that you hadn't played previously or maybe you mm. get a certain ways into the game and decide like maybe this weapon isn't working for me and then you always have something else to switch to if you need something faster if you need something longer range um so you know i appreciate the kind of like i appreciate the the variety that it gives you in that legend of zelda breath of the wild kind of way where you're always kind of improvising um ah. so i i think that's and i don't know if i'd say it's an improvement on like the dark souls method but i appreciate that both of these can kind of exist alongside one another certainly feels like a choice because of course the kind of tried and tested method of, of upgrading in the the Soulsborne games is to acquire an arbitrary material um usually yeah. gated by certain points in the the game that generally upgrades your damage whereas neo doesn't do that there's actually small modular upgrades that you can acquire um usually to try and give yourself a, an edge or to change at any one moment in time. So I do agree entirely with you, Ryan. It does feel like mm. a choice. And for me, the, the loot system is a choice that almost sort of supports a slightly different kind of imperative in the game at that new game plus, new game plus plus level that you, I, I don't think is there in the Souls games as well. Something that I would say about Neo in this way is that I feel like the Souls formula is quite um, restrained uh, at this particular point of the the soul's kind of life cycle whereas neo is quite liberated and able to kind of push in different um directions to try and sort of get a slightly different experience out of the game and and that's kind of permeates through and i'm sure we'll pick up on that as we go through some of the multiplayer and the the difficulty stuff yeah if there was one absolutely underlinable fundamental difference between team ninjas neo and from soft dark souls i would say it's the loot the loot is the kind of the absolute crux of what's different in the uh, in the experience it's interesting you mentioned breath of the wild there because uh, i was reading that I, I don't think i'm pretty sure i didn't play the beta or demo or whatever it was at the time but uh, it actually led to player feedback changing uh, a mechanic from the weapon weapon degradation the original neo had or was going to have um but players as was the case often for a lot of people with breath of the wild that they didn't like the degrading weapons as such what they did was they they kind of flip reversed it and made it so that you have your weapons don't degrade but the more you use them the better you get with them so you have this familiarity or expertise kind of meter that goes up and then later in the game once you've got the uh, the green armor, you get that with all your all your gear. Mm -hmm. And see, that works out so much better for me than anything mm. with degradation because yeah. mm -hmm. you would be getting more familiar. And it it lends itself to, and this is the case with most Soulsborne games. I think that you you kind of fall into whether you know from the beginning or whether you just experiment a little bit and then figure it out. You fall into this is the weapon that makes the most sense to me mm. and with neo it feels like that's not as binding as it is with some of the other types of game types of this the other souls type games sure i i and may, again that could just be me but it feels like you know if i choose i'm gonna i'm gonna be an axe person in in dark souls which is kind of the generation the generation the uh the direction that i generally go mm -hmm. is you know the heavy weapons and the heavy armor right in neo i kind of started with that because i thought that i was gonna be 
I thought I was going to go in the same direction. I thought, you know, oh, this is this is how I usually like to play these games. So let's take an axe and I'll go. And I, mm-hmm. I made it a couple of levels and I'm like, uh, maybe actually not. Hmm. Maybe I'm going to try some of these other things. Right. But if it had been a different type of game with a little less flexibility, then I might not have been able to do that or, or at least not as easily. So, yeah, I, I appreciate that particular mechanic with the weapons. Ryan, as as somebody who experienced experimented with multiple setups, um, did you find that did you find it kind of some some things were just better than others to use? I don't know if I'd necessarily take my advice on this because I had a very very difficult time <laughs> playing this game. So whatever I stumbled upon, I wouldn't call successful in any way. But um, <laughs> most of my playthrough, I did with the hammers and axes. Um, I kind oh, okay. of like. Like one of my complaints throughout is that it feels like you have to, like enemies have so much health that it feels like you just spend so long whittling them down. I just needed something that could do the maximum amount of damage in each hit. And Mm. so that, that worked for me for a while. And then when I felt like I needed a kind of change of pace, I would tend to go with the, with the dual swords because those were in my estimation, Mm. probably the fastest or at least kind of, yeah, a good balance there. Um, So I kind of hovered around those two. Um, but hmm. yeah, I That's think quite there's, a contrast. yeah, yeah, I, I appreciated them cause they were kind of like the opposite ends of the field. Hmm. What about, um, weight? So I, 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 I only really started to learn about this from playing 50 hours, but got, not getting very far into Elden Ring, the whole, uh, and a bit of Demon Souls as well. The whole quotes fat roll thing. Now, Rich, I know you favor the glass cannon, uh, ultralight, um, build. I don't know what the threshold is for, yeah, for so, the, for so the it's, lightest. It's not a threshold. Loadout. It's like a it's a gradient. So the lower your equipment, the That's faster your key return. The key being stamina, of course. The faster your key returns. Yes. It's a trade off, of course, because if you block, it takes more of your your key away from you. So, but I mean, you can get winded in this game, and it's exciting but agonizing as you stand there huffing. You can usually just about roll away before the enemies kind of attack I barely again. have a block, though, if I'm being honest. If you just run in and out, get the stamina, uh, regen going. Well, this is what I've, I have enjoyed particularly about the game as, as we're getting deep into the combat, is the fact that I have felt, although it's taken a lot of hours and I'm still only any good with one type of weapon, I do now feel like I'm pretty competent at this video game. Like, of course, it can still just one shot me in certain scenarios because certain enemies are just very heavy uh, hitting and, and is whatever a else. Problem, or, I would say for some enemies. Yeah. Is that guy on the bridge in the, in Neo one or is it Neo <laughs> two? You one. know exactly who I'm talking about. It is yeah. the first one. All right. Yeah. Um, but I, but I do now get that buzz where uh, if I'm playing a level that I'm kind of, you know, the right, the right level four, and I am now, you know, stance switching and blocking at appropriate moments and rolling and using my iframes and busting out. You know, if you can actually unlock extra shortcuts mm-hmm. in this game by via visiting the blacksmith. So you start with four or eight shortcuts and you can end up with 16. And I'm now I used to find just the whole interface, the actual in-game interface, quite overwhelming and the amount of options and things. This game has so many items and talismans and charms and things you can use. Even with 16 shortcuts, it's not necessarily enough. But I am now at the point where I can, you know, dance between them and kind of juggle the menus while being attacked Mm -hmm. by multiple enemies and stuff like this. And as I say, don't get me wrong, I still get flattened regularly. Um, But I've got to a point where 
I feel good about the game because it's given me that sort of level of flexibility and the you know uh, over a hundred hours I've actually yeah got yeah. good in inverted commas to, if to I a can, point. You know one one thing that I really really like about Neo is there's no I, I mean there may well be one and I'm certain there is one but there's no certainly no over reliance on a parry mechanic which is something that I get very frustrated with. Um, in pretty much right. most modern games. You can you parry, can, can't you? You, but can, it's not- you can parry an enemy when you are unarmed, um, which sounds mm. absurd if, if I'm being honest with you. And it, I think later you can even unlock one where you can take their weapon quite, off. Yeah, and, yeah. Like and it is something that they brought yeah. in, in in Neo 2. Uh, it's a great effect, actually, mm. but it's nice that there's no just kind of like, uh, not a, to sort of bring up alternative games, but if you look at something like Metroid Dread, that is a game that compels you to get good at parrying. Neo is not that game. Um, yeah. And it's right. it's nice to kind of know that you can actually do this with a modicum of actual poor poor reactions. And, <laughs> yeah, indeed. Timing, yeah. Yeah, but it, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it all helps for sure. Um, and I, I've found, you know, even in my advancing years that practice has helped uh, just stuff like, and, and also just familiarity with the enemy types is goes such a long way to getting better at this game because I, I always find with these games and, and Fromm's games that it always feels at first like the enemies just will not give it a rest with their attacks. There's just always another little flurry of attacks on top of the last attack. And yeah, they sure, eventually they get, low on key and and that's when you can kind of uh take to them and go in for a close-up attack there's some quite cool sort of uh like you know not glory kills but um sort of showpiece attacks in this game but just now just that that thing of being in the late game and and or the early new game plus and knowing exactly what an enemy is going to do when it appears uh what set of animations what set of spear twirls or sword thrashes it's going to do so you know kind of where to stand and i'm kind of it's giving me more of an inkling um i mean i have i have did finish bloodborne but i haven't finished any of the other from soft games of kind of where players get to with that like our james who's like you know played through every single version of dark souls and and done everything in all those games that sort of level of understanding that becomes kind of empowering in itself yeah i mean i can see that i it again it just it depends on I mean, your your skill does not necessarily depend on this, but I it, it's it's to an extent kind of dependent on the game itself. I would say because I I mean I I have played most of the, the Dark mm. Souls Bloodborne games, um, and I play most of them pretty differently from how I would play this. The exception right. being Bloodborne, actually, mm. because it's a game that is by its nature, less centered on allowing you to armor up and just bring a big shield and, you know, tank a bunch of hits. You can't do that in Bloodborne and you can't do that in Neo. So maybe that's why I took to it a little bit better because Bloodborne has always been my favorite one of those. Mm. And, you know, I, I play it very differently than I would... Dark Souls 1, for example, where, yeah. you know, I, I do exactly that. I bump my stamina up as high as it will go, smack on a bunch of armor and then just let things hit me. And, <laughs> you know, it, and it works. And I'm not saying that you can't play a Dark Souls game in a way that you would play Neo. I am saying that you can't play Neo in the way that you would play a Dark Souls game. Right. Great point. 
Yeah. What's interesting uh, as well is, so obviously we're mentioning FromSoft's output a lot, but we shouldn't let the Ninja Gaiden, the, the Team Ninja stuff get lost in this. And here's Raygear from our forum who says, didn't get on with the story. Levels and environments were repeated too many times. The game doesn't explain itself and its systems very well. And the Diablo style loot felt out of place for me. The quality of the combat, however, made most of that redundant. It felt like the true successor to Ninja Gaiden I've been waiting on for over a decade. Fast, graceful, stylish, complex, and above all, a real challenge with a ton of variety and methods to play with. Key Pulse, along with Living Water and the Yokai Pools, also added an extra layer of strategy to your movement and dodging, which upped the ante even further. It just feels so fluid and smooth to play. Loved it. And we mentioned the it was it was mentioned in the correspondence there, and we've already touched upon it. But uh, another element that I think is is kind of specific to this game, as far as I know, is the key pulse, which is uh, an extra little button push, almost makes it like a I don't know, is a little bit of rhythm mm-hmm. action to it. I mean, in a way, this is where the the kind of the timing comes in more than the the parrying is maintaining your stamina proactively. Yeah. So so. What the key pulse asks you to do is to time uh, an R1 in my case. Um, um, but if you time it in such a way, it gives you it, it, so it, what it does, it purges the yokai realm. And in the yokai realm, your stamina doesn't replenish or replenishes significantly less yeah. quickly. Uh, it allows you to kind yeah. of um, keep kind of on in the battle. What you can also do as you go along the game is you can time a stance change with the key pulse, which puts a specific type of attack in or gives you certain bonuses. So it's again, it's just another example of just layers and layers of mechanics going on top of one another. Like I have to admit, when I first played Neo, I thought it was going to be beyond me to to work out that timing, but yeah. it, it's second nature at this point. Yeah, yeah. I don't think the Windows minuscule. It's not fighting game levels of of tiny, is it? It feels relatively Indeed, yep. generous. I don't know how how you felt, Ryan. Uh, again, I can't overstate how bad I was at this game. Um, <laughs> this was a mechanic you, that you finished I, it right. You I, can't be that bad. I did, but it was it was not a pretty journey. There was a lot of <laughs> sure. brute forcing and over leveling and stuff like that along the way. Fair enough. But uh, this was a you should have key pulsed more. No, I mean that's that's absolutely true. This was a mechanic that I learned about watching reviews after beating the game. <laughs> <laughs> So Classic. yeah, that, that would have come in handy quite frequently. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it does. <laughs> that kind of leads into, um, I, I'm not sure if this is the right time to talk about it, but Go for it. It, it leads into uh, something that I actually really appreciated about this game. The key pulse aside, because I think I also missed that until Rich pointed it out. But um, Yeah, easily done. Yeah, uh, but f- in general... Something that you see in Neo that does not happen very frequently in other games of this type is that it explains itself. Like, there are actual tutorials. You don't have to read all of the item descriptions to figure out what's going on. Yeah, that's true. Um, And I'm not saying that's a good thing. I'm not saying that's a bad thing. Some people prefer that you need to kind of work things out on your own. But Neo does not make you do that. If you want to go and do your tutorials to figure out actually what you're supposed to be doing, then they are there and you can absolutely do that. And I did. So, uh, yeah, yeah, that's it's a preference for me that I would like to know what I'm doing as opposed to not knowing what I'm doing. So, yeah, I mean, that that, there is the dojo, which uh, which in itself is a whole host of missions start. It kind of starts. 
as a tutorial place, a place to go. But actually, by the late game, it's uh, it's unlocking some of your strongest techniques, uh, and you have to meet conditions to even be able to go back into the dojo by the late game. Uh, but yeah, um, it's interesting. Sometimes it limits what you've got in there, what you can use in terms of elixirs, which are your most mostly your your uh, health flasks, Estus flask type things um it will only give you a wooden sword and all this kind of stuff yeah that last um on your mage one's grueling like you, you you essentially can't damage the enemies unless you kill the uh the oni which are those large flaming skull heads that imbue your your bokken with right. uh yeah different abilities it it's it's it, it's actually I, i'd kind of admire it it's a sort of like good indication about just how versatile some of the actual mechanics can be but it's a pure ball ache yeah. from being truthful yeah, there there is a lot when you think about it, and 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 I and I guess we're all going to say, um, I mean, again, maybe it depends on how you want to play it and specialize, and and no doubt there'd probably be at least one or two people listening to this who, who have done everything in this game and and mastered all its facets. But there is a lot of stuff I barely use. Like you can be a ninja in this game, and like you have every time you go to a shrine, you reset your uh, your 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 shuriken capabilities um and i ended up with i, I was using poison shuriken and para, para, paralysis shuriken but to be honest they they seem pretty puny compared to some of the other options i had so i ended up kind of sidelining a lot of potentially really good stuff only only late in the game did i end up using what are the i think the guardian yeah. talismans are they talismans or and they actually give you a so you've got this kind of super weapon which makes you temporarily almost invincible and there's loads of them in the game loads and loads of guardian spirits all different animals and creatures and stuff with with effects but there's a talisman which actually gives you a a, a small burst of the power of of your guardian spirit um which i was you know just in the end some of the some of the later bits just using it to kind of annoy and whittle down bosses and things like that but there's yeah, I guess my point is there's there's a lot to keep in your mind at any one time to to actually utilize all this game's systems. I'm going to be honest, really the only thing that I can remember using that much aside from healing items was the sloth talisman. Oh yeah. There it is. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so the sloth it's, talisman it's really is good. one is one of the talismans and uh I would probably I, I don't know if I, I I may have stumbled across it if if even if I'd never been told about it. So if you go into your uh learning of uh onmyo it's in the on omnio mm -hmm. section isn't it the, the the talismans there are lots and lots of talismans there's ones that weaken your enemies ones that give them various status effects tons and tons of different things you can do and you could spend a ridiculous amount of hair <laughs> earning these uh you you seem to level these up by eating hair as far as i can uh un understand it <laughs> Yeah, um, it's uh, on your mage locks. So I think it's more like a kind yeah. of probably a nice friendly localization of scalping some uh, some mages. Oh, okay. So you just sort of glue it to your head. Anyway, um, yeah. So one of these, uh, as 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 we were forewarned and forearmed by Rich, is is the sloth talisman, which really works on pretty much everything, including bosses, and slows them down to like I don't know half speed. Yeah, for a limited amount of time, it, it's it's essentially for a limited game, amount of time. Game, game breaking's not the right word, but it certainly does um, tip no. the balance. I think it possibly comes. It's either the boss is not at the right time, or it comes too late on the game because 
you will have had to go through the Hino Enma boss, which is absolutely disgusting. Uh, and you don't have any of yeah. that ability um, at that particular point in the game. Yeah, indeed. Now, that's is that when the one? Co-op is your friend. <laughs> the lady with the umbrella and the that, paralysis correct, yeah. business. Yes. Okay, so that's where I actually got to in my new game plus and then could not oh, continue. Boy. Let's um we'll come back to the bosses. Um but let's talk before we do about the the regular mobs in this game, the uh the menagerie, which I think yeah, I think quite a few people have commented that it feels quite limited and there's quite a lot of repetition. But within that, I, I guess there's like twenty to thirty different major enemy types. Um within that I'd say there's there's a, a reasonable amount of um different approaches that you have to take. Although that's making a lie of the fact that I said earlier that we just used a katana in high (laughs) stance for most of them. Yeah. um, The game, yeah. I mean, Neo 2 does a lot to to remedy this. It's got probably about double the amount of different enemies, but it does really feel like, um, you know, the the term I used when we were playing the other evening was it feels like they've got a grid of uh, enemies and they just basically plot different combinations of enemies in different locations. But, I, th- I yep. think it's fine. I mean, the, there's an element of the reason that Neo 2 puts more enemies in there, I think, is because it's a more versatile game. I think if it started putting some of the types of enemies that you get in the DLC or in Neo 2, Neo 1 just isn't capable of actually managing some of those things because a lot more status effects, a lot more kind of instant kill, that kind of stuff. I think the 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 fact that there's very few enemies is probably a little bit kind of um, misleading. I don't necessarily see it as a problem because actually where the skill comes from the game's creators is the placement of enemies in certain parts of the level. Like, you know, if there's a 90 degree turn, there's going to be a yokai behind there that's smashing <laughs> the pieces. Yeah. And, um, you know, we, we talk about, it, don't we, like you'll have a tight corridor and you're thinking to yourself, like, what is the worst possible enemy that we could find in this corridor? A cyclops. And comes. that's exactly where you're getting. Yep. So it's, it's more... <laughs> Always the Tengu, uh, the (laughs) Karasu Tengu, is just the meanest enemy in this game, I think, uh, outside of the bosses, because it's got this, like, two-tiered attack, which it's like it starts off with a big old chop and then it ends with a flying kick. But yeah, there's loads of stuff in this game that can can one hit you even even when you've leveled up quite a bit even there's these flaming wheels these monks wheel monks they're called uh and again depending on the 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 mission will tell you kind of what level it thinks maybe you ought to be to go into it um and that does seem to dictate the overall strength of of some of the enemies or, or certainly the amount of different types of enemies there are and stuff like that but yeah even something that you've dealt with multiple times without difficulty if it's thrown at you in a certain situation position or in combination with other things you can yeah i know i know this this stuff sounds very familiar to to players of FromSoft games or indeed probably the ninja gaiden games as well um this is where they they collide in that respect i didn't mind the enemy variety so much um this one to me i think because of its kind of ninja gaiden uh lineage felt a little bit more kind of like a a little bit more like a progressive beat em up than like a traditional souls like mm. action RPG. And yeah. in those types of games, it's more kind of the like environmental awareness and the the methods that you use to kind of dispatch like very predictable types of enemies. Um and so, you know, considering that I was kind of mixing up weapon types all the time and and doing this and that, I kind of appreciated having just kind of like a set number of archetypes that I really knew like how to how to interact with and you know they would kind of it would mix things up based on 
things that were happening in the environment, trying to keep a battle within a very small set of space to avoid triggering somebody else or, mm. you know, using using traps and environmental stuff to my advantage. Uh, but yeah, I never felt like the enemy variety was was that lacking. My, my favorite was the, uh, you run into the big Cyclops um, pretty early mm-hmm. on in the game. It wasn't until a little bit later on that I realized that the little tiny Cyclops uh, would evolve into the big ones. And so those become kind of a fun prioritization challenge because the little ones are dead easy to take care of, but you have to you know, dedicate your time and attention to getting to them before they evolve. And then that it becomes like a much bigger yeah, problem. Th- there's so a lot of that. That was a fun little Literally. puzzle as well. There's quite a lot of those puzzle enemies. Like there's the, uh, I think they're called Biwa yeah. Boku Boku, which are these um, possessed. Yes. I love these. Yeah, they're so the creepy. Musicians that um, raise yeah. the revenants from the ground. And and before we kind of push on, because I, I get the sense that it's probably a conversation there, like Ryan, something that you said there actually really resonates with me, which is to say, if you think about Neo as a Souls game, i.e. with a finite beginning and an end, I can see why it would appear that there's not quite enough enemies there to give you a sense of variety. But actually, if you think about it, which I do, as more of like a Monster Hunter game, where you're going in there and you're grinding (laughs) certain uh, components out of a level, that element of predictability is probably a little bit more opposite to that kind of Monster um, Hunter-like mentality. Um, and it gives that game a little bit of longevity where, you know, if you had like 50, 60, 70 different enemies in a finite end, it might be slightly different kind of uh, experience. Bosses then, obviously, yeah, a key element of which, whichever kind of game we're likening this to most, whether it be Ninja Gaiden, whether it be a Souls game or whether it be Monster Hunter, the boss encounters are a larger aspect of this type of game. Uh, I mentioned at the start that I'm not the kind of person that has a great deal of a joy in repeating these many, many, many times over. I would rather get to a, a place where I can, yeah, I, I'm happy to die two or three times learning, happy enough, maybe more, but but I'm not one of those people that will just... I'm very happy to play through these levels. So so basically, uh, in New Game Plus, um, certain bosses will give you a certain very predictable set of drops those drops usually align with one another to give you a certain set of abilities. So, for example, in my character, I have a set of abilities that essentially allows me to cast on Mio, and it's got a 50% chance to not consume that on Mio. So it means, for example, when I'm playing yeah. a game, um, I have six Sloth Talismans, and by and large, I can probably yep. use about nine of them before I ultimately need to, to die and replenish that. Makes sense. Yeah. That's powerful. And, and that really is like pure monster as far as i'm concerned it's all about developing a build and to be honest with you the way that i play new at this point is i just run through the level just ignore everything and then go to the boss and just grind that you can do that absolutely perfectly legitimate way to play however uh the bosses are exceptionally difficult and varied and there's two different types of bosses you've got your yokai bosses which are these largely kind of mythological or fantastical beings and then you have a more standard uh almost like human uh one-on-one Jewel. Uh, any favourites or unfavourites or sticking points that we should each each bring up? Uh, Ryan, you said you had a really hard time with this game. What were there any bosses in particular that you got bogged down with? Yeah, that uh, the one that we already mentioned early on, the one that's essentially Lady Butterfly from Sekiro. <laughs> Who was her name Hino again? Enma. Yeah, Hino Enma. Um, I had a really difficult time with. I think throughout the game, and and maybe this goes back to the game's history, it has a really interesting, extensive history of kind of changing 
genres at multiple points during development because it was announced a long, long time ago and it was developed as kind of like a Dynasty Warriors type of game. And then it, it kind of, yeah, something that's a little bit more traditionally Ninja Gaiden and then eventually settled on something that's very Souls-like. And so I, I felt like some of these encounters, you do so little damage to the boss yeah, and your, um, your key depletes so quickly that I kind of, I, I felt like it was balanced around not having a stamina meter. Like you really need to keep those, uh, keep the pressure on a lot of these bosses and some of them can even heal themselves. So you have to kind of outpace that as well. So I don't know if it was, if it was just lack of key pulse <laughs> may have Christ. been a big issue. That's yeah. probably true. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, I think throughout, like the bosses, I found a lot of them really fun to fight, but just the, yeah. the endurance that each of them would have put too much mm. of like a, too much of like a repeatability tax on me. Like I can, I can mm. do the bosses. I've learned the patterns, but having to hit them 70 times in a row and right. avoid getting hit at all myself is just like too much for me to do in one sitting mm-hmm. at one time. That really feels like a team ninja demo. Like that, that's permeated through. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, totally fair. It's a common complaint to this game from our correspondents as well. Again, we were massively advantaged in a couple of ways, Leah and I particularly. One, we were told about sloth talismans ahead of time. And then, yeah, you don't get them until later in the game. But we also had a co-op partner. Um, and, uh, you know, maybe the game isn't designed around this. I mean, it is designed around this in that it's it's perfectly accessible and feasible to do. What I mean is I'm sure that the game can completely be soloed, whether you do it by overleveling or getting good. But, you know, I've come away with generally very positive feelings about this game. And part of that was because I elected to not get stuck on bosses and elected to phone a friend instead. I did the same thing. So um, absolutely nothing wrong with that. It's a bit of a tale of Um, two kind of experiences, really, because, you know, a a co-op partner in... um, like the yokai bosses. So let's, for example, take the Umibozu, which is the giant aqueous blob. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> With holes in yeah. the floor. Like, mm-hmm. damn it, Team Ninja. You are did limited you have to? At which point you can attack it by, you know, when it's vulnerable. But by and large, if you've got a core partner in there, yeah, you can go and steamroll it. But usually when you're doing one of those duels, the enemies will just sit in a corner and block and there's nothing you can do about it other than just try and deplete the attacks down one by one. <laughs> we did have some fun wailing on some of those, though, just like yeah. hitting them over I, I and just over think there. G over and I over and like over again. finding a rhythm of just taking it in turns to like attack while one yes. sort of replenished, and, and you get yourself into that situation. But I mean, like even at this particular moment in time, I'm I'm not sort of ashamed to admit like the the, the enemies hit hard, all of them hit hard, and and still will absolutely oh, yeah. murderize me yeah. without really too much consideration so um yes yeah especially with I, your sort sure of glass they, well build. yeah yeah i'm not sure that they are balanced for multiplayer but there's certainly no pushover give or take one or two of them mm. yeah like the uh, i'm looking at the um yeah what's the giant frog thing called with the big giant pipe? toad he's oh, called yeah. okay. <laughs> it does make sense <laughs> like he's yeah just no problem whatsoever <laughs> So Ryan, despite the challenges you had, um, and I certainly would have had more of that, I'm I'm really impressed that you did this whole thing solo because I think I would have ended up crying off. Did you? Uh, di- and despite not picking up on all the mechanics, di- did you? Did you have? Did you get pleasure from it? There are aspects of the game that I really like, uh, and this is 
probably going to sound a little bit more kind of like a final judgment here, but oh, sorry. Um, I think that the I think that the combat is really well considered. I think that the just kind of the the moment to moment, like I really actually enjoy fighting the regular mob enemies. I think more than I mm. more than I enjoy fighting the bosses because so many of them were very kind of like specifically like they would really kind of narrow your choices to kind of like a necessary strategy. Whereas the the regular mob enemies felt like you had the ability to improvise quite a bit more. And so, you know, the game has a lot of uh, versatility in its combat system and especially using these kind of Witcher 1-like combat stances for different scenarios and, you know, using all the different combinations of, of, of terrain and stuff like that is it made the combat out in the overworld really exciting. Uh, but I, I mean, overall, like overall, I, I didn't enjoy the game to a tremendous degree just because the, the bosses were such like a huge sticking point when it came to difficulty yeah. for me personally. And then yeah. the navigation of the levels I found to just be kind of overlong, annoying and like, needlessly labyrinthine without having again those kind of visual anchors like i talked about before so even though i did enjoy the kind of like mob combat during the boss fights there was something i didn't like and then during the exploration there was also something that i didn't like so i always just kind of found myself with (laughs) at least one thing that really kind of soured me on like almost every uh mode modality that the game found itself in unfortunately yeah i mean the the final regular mission of the game which takes place in this sort of amrita corrupted landscape uh which i played through with rich the other day is a is is a toughie uh, it's a toughie right it's meant to be tough but you actually get two ai companions in that level uh even whether you're playing solo or and you still get the same two if you're playing in co-op so there were actually four of us um, and in fact, we, I would say doing that level, we ended up it really was a pretty uh, surprisingly ride, so. I we? cannot, could, like it took me days to be able to do that level. Um, and I'm sure Jay yeah. would agree. Uh, it has a boss rush at the end. It's got uh, lots of places you can fall off, which we didn't. Um, it's got loads of uh, mist, you know, points of uh, evil mist where, where nasty groups of enemies come out. And it pretty much... Yeah, it's like, uh, yeah, you, you described it as a kind of kill room scenario where you've basically just got more. It's like waves of, resp- of spawning enemies and it will keep up in the ante. It will start with things which are quite capable of killing you if you get into the wrong situation and then layer upon layer of uh, bigger and bigger nasties. Um, but yeah, we actually, with the level that we were both at and with the proficiency that we got in the game, we actually made fairly easy work of it but that said um yeah not everyone's necessarily going to have that luxury of being able to call in an over leveled companion um so that is something to bear in mind i I think the 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 one point i did want to particularly make about the overall level of challenge and the difficulty curve is that something that both you said and uh, our james who's also uh, completed neo said about this game is that it has a slightly odd difficulty curve in that it it starts out brutal and stays quite brutal for quite a long time and and has elements that are brutal all the way through right to the end however it does plateau to an extent about the last half of the game or it's just in line with the the amount of um 
skills that you get you know the the great level leveler is the the sloth talisman and then when you have the sloth talisman it unlocks things mm-hmm. like the carnage talisman which essentially allows you to do greater damage while taking more damage and then you have see there's something yeah, i've never so, used so so i using cool. i mean i would say that they're essential for new game plus new game plus plus because you get into the realms of you're mm-hmm. not doing more damage but the enemies have got three or four times the amount of hit points that they previously had in a game where they already had quite a lot of hit points. They also points. attack faster, I've noticed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. I'll <laughs> shortcut that. <laughs> Did you, is that, despite your your challenge, Ryan, is that what you found difficulty curve-wise? Did it actually get a little bit less? Because there was a point, I think you messaged some weeks ago where you said, I don't think I'm going to be able to do this, but in the end you did. Yeah, um, and I mean... Full disclosure, like there were a couple of points where I had to like, I had to cheat essentially. Like yeah. there was a point where uh, a couple points where I, I played bosses so much that I knew their patterns, but it was just a, mm. it was just a matter of doing the same thing 70 times in a row perfectly. Yeah, yeah. And so, you know, sure. I used a, I used a trainer on the PC version. That's a, you know, mm-hmm. that's an advantage of being on PC. So, you know, yeah, I will true, fully true. acknowledge it's not a completely legitimate victory but ah. only at the points where I felt like I know this boss, I can do it theoretically if I did the same thing perfectly mm-hmm. this many times in the I row. know exactly what you mean. So, you know, yeah. again, like I can only, I can only claim kind of a half victory there, but um, I think my experience with the difficulty was uh, that like, not only was there the combat difficulty, but there was also the endurance difficulty to deal with as well in that some of these levels especially towards the latter portion of the game, get so long and they'll even loop you back into very, very long stretches of the level after the boss or after a boss has been defeated. Depending on how much time you spend getting lost in identical looking hallways and stuff like that, like there's another component of the difficulty that's going to be very highly subjective for people. And I I found it kind of, you know, not only was I struggling with the bosses, but also just navigationally, that was kind of biting me in the butt as well. So I never really found a place where I thought the experience got easier. Uh, But Mm. I'll say that like the combat, there were definitely encounters that I felt like I had a better like handle on from a combat perspective. Ryan McBride from our Patreon says... A Souls-like set in feudal Japan, pulling from both history, rather loosely, and Japanese folklore, should have been right up my alley. Instead, I was often frustrated and overwhelmed by the combo of Souls-like challenge, Diablo loot piñatas, miserable inventory management, difficulty spikes, repetitiveness, and a jumble of complex combat mechanics, techniques, crafting, and more. Despite some neat additions, like the Key Pulse and Guardian Spirits, Neo feels to me uneven and messy, more derivative than truly innovative. Sure, it does a lot of the same things that Soulsborne games do, but it misses why FromSoft's execution is so artful. Punishing difficulty and unlocking shortcuts does not a game make. There was still just enough there in the core combat loop and supernatural silliness to keep me going, but I'm pretty certain I would have dropped the game entirely, if not for the sloth talisman. I did manage to beat the game, largely out of spite, but that's thanks to some glaring personality flaws more than my actual mm. enjoyment of the ride. Yeah, that's um, like, I, you know, that, that those, those are lived experiences. So it would be deeply inappropriate for me to start to pull those apart. But I think um, what I detect from, from that bit of correspondence is that it is 
played or the expectation is that it ought to be played in the same way as as a souls game and if your approach is to to ex- mm-hmm. sort of have an experience of a souls game i think that is probably where you're going to meet a little bit of friction with yeah. neo like it requires you to engage with True. the many many different ways of of kind of negotiating around some yes. of these mechanics there is like a we will come to it but like a, a really elegant cooperative component to to this game in fact there's more than one elegant cooperative component to how to play new as well it may just be as a response to like how this game is played rather than actually what the game is itself yeah i think i mean it does invite the comparisons to an extent but also yeah you have to still take it on its own on its own uh, terms i suppose matt l from our forum uh, on similar Notes as I began to notice something was off in the last five to ten percent of the game. <clears throat> Enemies were hitting too fast and too hard and had vastly larger health pools. And I found those last few levels an absolute slog to complete. The fun had disappeared and I was left with an abject feeling of unfairness. This feeling continued into all three DLCs, two of which remained incomplete. Yeah, yeah. And and again, I'm I'm not trying to sort of come over here and just pounce on some of this correspondence because i do recognize that the dlc in particular is 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 rough and again i'm sure we'll come on to that a bit later but uh, what i'm what i'm trying to express here is that neo is a game that will invite you to play the the mission previously in order to gain a set of equipment that allows or a, a sort of a configuration of equipment that allows you to have an easier time in the same way monster hunter would if you try and basically just go one monster to the next monster to the next monster at some point you're going to find that that equipment that you're using hasn't necessarily complemented where you are in the game perhaps neo doesn't do a very good job of kind of demonstrating that though yeah yeah i'll say from a game feel perspective a lot of the the tools that you can use to kind of improve you know better loot and leveling up doesn't doesn't give the same kind of feedback that I would expect from something that is so kind of dependent upon those stats. Um, I think especially leveling up, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that the the health bar stays the same size the entire time. And so it's hard to really tell how much that's doing to to kind of help you out uh, when you level that up, as opposed to like in Dark Souls, how the health bar just kind of stretches across the screen towards mm. the end of the game. And the you numbers can really, go up, maybe. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, maybe I should have paid more attention to that. But uh yeah, I just felt like there wasn't a lot of like immediate feedback as to what I was necessarily doing right or wrong as far as investing in these different stats. That, that, that is a problem. Yeah. So so those statistics are then they're not necessarily gateways in the sense of they are with Dark Souls. So you know how you have a, a, a requisite level of skills in order to be able to use a certain bit of equipment in Dark Souls. In Neo, there is none of that. It is purely just a number that kind of goes up and adds an arbitrary value on your health or on your stamina or key, as it were, or on your Omnio. I think the, the, the difference would be with the ninjutsu and the Omnio, which require you to have a certain level in order to use certain stuff like that. But where where the skills come into effect is the, the way that they complement the guardian spirits that you've got. So at a certain point in the game, I would say it probably comes into play in New Game Plus. The Guardian Spirits will have a base level requisite of statistics in certain sort of um, attributes, and then they will imbue you with a certain power once you've met that. So it kind of it's a way to kind of springboard off like the the Guardian Spirits as it were to kind of get benefits rather than just simply relying on the amount of uh, arbitrary values you've got in one of those sort of uh, statistics or indeed what you've got on your your equipment as well. It's just a way to try and elevate it beyond that. And in New Game Plus, you get to manually you level do. up your Guardian yeah. Spirits as well. One aspect that I think maybe maybe some people actually 
overlooked altogether. I could be wrong. Uh, hopefully this isn't the case, Ryan, and could have made your life a lot easier. There's uh, one of the, the many things that the game tracks in the background and gives you small alerts on screen uh, uh, titles that you earn. And these start off very simple and quite easy to earn by just killing enemy types and things like that. But um, they keep popping up throughout the game, the more stuff you do. And in fact, even after a hundred and something hours, I've still got loads and loads of these that aren't fulfilled. Um, But every time you do fulfill these, you've got a chance of unlocking prestige points, which you can, uh, which are under the Agyo and Ungyo categories. And, those actually can be transformative. And if you've ended up with accumulating a load without realizing it, which I suspect some people probably have, you could find yourself kind of going from a pretty puny character to a pretty strong one. And if you're me, you just enjoy that those things unlock and get a kick out of, oh, oh look, that... my checklist updated again. I like the checklist aspect too, I I've got to admit. You. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but they are transformative. I mean, like, you know, it'll be like 5% more Amio. Amarita, rather, 5% more damage against uh, Yokai. Like, that, these are huge numbers and cumulative. Mm. They start off small, but, but the more you get, the, the, the bigger it goes. And um, I would say the ones that I, I, I tend to focus on, the ones that were like solid numbers. So it would be like, you know, up your key from, mm-hmm. from like four to five, which is obviously a huge, huge upgrade. Ryan, please tell me you did engage with this side of things. Uh, you know, I don't remember off the top of my head. I know that there were Uh-oh. a few systems that I kind of discovered <laughs> partway through the through the game yeah. that I just kind of dumped like a huge quantity of points into. And so oh, I assume it it's was... the same thing, but uh, okay. I don't remember exactly the names or anything. Sure. Well, I, I hope you did. If you didn't, yeah. Um, if you are playing this and you know, maybe you're playing along with the show but haven't beaten it yet or you've bounced off it, it, it is something that I feel like could easily be overlooked. And it's one of those... It is there in the menu. You do get a little um, exclamation point kind of trying to lead you towards it, but I I wouldn't say it's tremendously well. It's not like a a lot of modern games where it would like, weirdly, it does, this game does have stuff on the screen that you can't get rid of until you spend your points, which is the, you know, the locks of hair stuff, the, the, uh, the, the various uh, learning, the learned skills. They actually annoy me in, in, in a GUI sense because they sit there on the, on the the actual combat screen but if you don't go into the menu the touchpad menu however you bring it up on the pc version you won't actually see that you've got these titles and then even if you see the titles unless you then select prestige points you won't know you've got the prestige points so yeah, they're kind of buried I, I would say a bit and i will say that probably the reason that i aside from probably being told i i don't recall honestly but i I am somebody for whom that kind of UI element works very well. The thing that you can't get rid of, because if something has a marker next to it, if Mm -hmm. it's got a little exclamation mark or if it's got a number next to it, I am going to go in there and see what it is. I just I have to. It's a it's a compulsive thing with me. I can't leave it alone. Yeah, which is why Battlefield 4 drove me mad, because the little things didn't go away (laughs) even when you even when you touch the things. Battlefield 4 rent from 10 years ago. I haven't played Battlefield 4, I'm sorry. No, no, no. It would have annoyed you, I'm sure. Probably. (laughs) 
Robin Enrico from our Patreon says, I will always go to bat for Neo, but it just doesn't measure up to the best of souls for me as the main game's locations are all rather bland fortresses and forests and the plot never really grabbed me. What I did love early on was how incentivized you are to constantly switch weapons and skills, keeping the combat feeling fresh throughout. It does a lot to make the overly complex systems feel worth investing in. Conversely, almost all of the DLC areas are either visually striking or interesting spins on standard dungeons. The level-by-level siege of a castle and the Red Lantern graveyard maze stick heavily in my mind, though the difficulty spikes so intensely in this back section that I could only proceed by pumping everything into one weapon and a handful of skills. In both cases, I was always pushing through against near-impossible odds, but the ways in which each was engaging were distinctly different pleasures. Yeah, I wasn't actually sure. Uh, I've, actually, I've put the DLC further down the running order, but I'm curious uh, because I understood that. So when you buy the complete edition, you get the DLC. But this does you can't even access this DLC until you finish the epilogue of the main game, right? So I, I hope it was advertised as such when it was first sold because there wouldn't be any way to play it without having beaten the main game. Um, but now I have done that, I still don't know where it yeah, is. Yeah, so it's, it's on... It's on, like, you know, the map screen, how you can switch between certain areas, so you need yeah. to move to a new area. So there's likely, like, a ship icon that'll open up a new uh, scene for you. It's only showing me, because so it, so it transitions straight into the kind of New Game Plus type thing without it being even an option, right? It just it just puts me straight there. It didn't, like, say, you know, do you want to carry on playing the game you're playing, or did, do you want to <clears throat> NG Plus? It just kind of immediately yeah. goes to yeah, Way indeed. of the Samurai, whatever it is. So I've only got three areas. So it may well be, and, and something I would say about the DLC is it has the um, Dragon's Dogma dog or isn't problem, which is to say it's not just new game yeah. and then you move on to the <laughs> DLC and you're all grand. I, I would suggest that the DLC for Neo requires you to have done the new game plus and potentially the new game plus plus because it is punishingly oh difficult. Like the, the amount of hit points that enemies have. It's crazy. The, the difference in... Um, temperament of some of the bosses mm. the the lack of uh downtime right it's it's a real kind of gloves off kind of moment and there's no i have not played the dlc but i i'm assuming that it is just a prescribed difficulty level like it's not the same as the main game where you can choose i mean i i suppose you could artificially tweak with the the difficulty but it really, the I guess the salient point of this is the enemies have a lot of hit points and they are AI aggressive, so they will basically just dominate you. Um, I, I've been playing through it and I can't admit to have done it, and it's because there's a real nasty, like a skeletal chicken boss, which is towards the end, and I think it's the second to last boss that has just absolutely wrecked me oh, uh, over and over and over again. But I did go on YouTube and find uh, a list of the most difficult bosses in the game, and I'm pleased to say that according to this list, I've done the hardest one, so I'll take that as a victory. There's a, ah. there's a boss called um, nice. Maria, who yeah. is a Spanish conquistador. Yep. Well, the- <laughs> Not the chicken. <laughs> and uh, she's she's very difficult. It's a, it's a duel. The chicken's name is Nugget, and uh... <laughs> I am. Um, yeah, it feels like a kind of um, standard thing for, uh, particularly for Japanese action role playing games, to have DLC that is deliberately uh, for people who sunk in several hundred hours into the main game and then it's it's not just like a lot of uh i guess kind of triple a western games where the dlc is something to be enjoyed because you enjoyed the game whether you whether you're great at it or not whereas dlc for for a lot of 
these kinds of games just seems to be, yeah, you, mm-hmm. you thought you beat that. Well, here's here's this bit. DLC for people who hate themselves. <laughs> yeah. I mean, as a general observation in 10 seconds or less, the DLC in Neo 2 is exactly the same. Like gloves off, kitchen sink kind of moment, everything is thrown at you. But there's much more flexibility to deal with that difficulty in a way that Neo 1 just simply doesn't have. And like our correspondent says, it requires you to, to min-max in specific areas to be able to make headway. Because in much the same way Ryan's describing his relationship with certain bosses that are a more case of endurance rather than skill. Which is something that I felt acutely when playing Sekiro. That is exactly the same in the DLC for Neo 1. It's, it's more about how um, mm. consistently can you execute a mm. certain technique rather than are you you know, yeah, like biomechanically capable of doing it. Taz from our forum says, I was excited to try Neo as I'm a big fan of the Souls games, but I only played the first few levels. The combat was exciting and had a lot of depth to it. And I loved the aesthetic, but what I found missing was the free roaming world made up of interconnected areas that FromSoft's games have. By splitting the game down into linear mission ba- into a linear mission-based structure, I found that a key ingredient was now missing. I realised that to enjoy these games, I need more than tough combat. In Souls, there are multiple ways to overcome the challenges you face, and a lot of these boil down to exploration. If one area is too tough for you, maybe you need to go somewhere else first. Often, you find items and weapons in one place that are invaluable elsewhere. If Laudron's areas were split into a series of linear missions instead of being presented as a singular world that you can explore as you see fit, I think of the lot of, a lot of the magic would have been lost. And ultimately, that's why I tired of Neo very quickly, which is a shame because there's so much here that the game does well. The fact that it isn't one continuous world actually is is a compliment to what Neo is trying to get to, as opposed to how it's um, not quite as effective or efficient as, as Dark Souls is. And the reason behind this is because in the multiplayer, you've got two very distinct types of multiplayer co-op. You've got the kind of orthodox Souls-like game where you sacrifice in a choco cup or like a you know a soul, if you like, in, in the Dark Souls world. And then you bring in a player to the point where either you uh, as the host or the player as the, uh, I guess, like co-op invader will pass away and then, you know, jobs are good. Mm. But there is also another type of co-op, which is through the Toru Gate in which you set up what's called an expedition. Mm. And the idea behind this is you have a shared pool of life or lives, as it were. The players can both die up to a certain amount of times before actually you run out of that pool, in which case... Job, it, it's over. The, the 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 game scales in difficulty to kind of accommodate the 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 difference between the two. But actually, I don't know how that would be feasible to do. Certainly not in an elegant way. If it was in something like Dark Souls or even Elden Ring, where you've got that kind of shared pool of life in a certain very specific area, the fact that it's in one mm. closed off area feels like a nice sort of almost like a back end way of realizing that ambition. Whereas in an open world, it might not be so easy or certainly more clunky. And because of that, it, it's another reason why I, I think of it more like Monster Hunter. It's a sort of, a, it's an instance that you both go into and you share until the instance is over rather than just this mm. sort of one open world that you both inhabit, albeit in a like a transient way. It's a different approach. I can totally see why people love the sort of the large interconnecting worlds of, of, of some other games, um, and- you know, I'm, I'm a big fan of that but as well. And that and I would say that this is kind of one of the instances and there are there are multiple but one of the instances in which the comparisons to Souls games really kind of hurt Neo mm-hmm. because I think that there are quite a number of people who would and do prefer 
sectioned off levels like this that are that are finite and that are i i mean i i like this i, I like i like both but mm -hmm. yeah. i find that it it um in some ways kind of decreases anxiety about mm -hmm. where do i go and what do yes. i do for me you know some people for some people that is part of the fun like you know there's there's so much to do and there's so many different directions that you can go and you're not tied down to any one thing and you know that's great i'm not saying that one or the other is is any better i'm just mm -hmm. saying that i think that this game might have found a, a an audience that was more accepting of that particular um facet of the gameplay if it hadn't been so closely tied to souls when it came out yeah completely agree and also it doesn't feel like so much of a dice roll like souls would i mean i forget about when in the soul series it came but there was certain points where it was really a kind of a guess as to whether or not you would summon in a like a core partner i think in bloodborne you could basically mm. stick a, a password in there just to try and guarantee that you get the right place but like if you think about it in terms of like a use case like jay and i would basically set up stall at the beginning of an evening form a Toru gate in an expedition and would basically be like okay well i want to go and get this piece of equipment from this level so let's fire that up complete that level back within seconds into the Toru yeah. gate and then into another level basically just to dip Absolutely. in and out as you would with a monster hunter yeah, you and I found that uh, some some levels were best suited to Tori use, and others were best to search search for each other's game. What's great is that the game, if you're hosting and you complete a mission, and maybe maybe even if you're not, I don't know, but if you're hosting and you complete a mission in co-op via whichever method, it gets ticked off. It's completed. Um, it's not like this isn't considered a separate thing it's it's you you play it how you want if you if you want to play it through a tory gate in co-op that's still your mission done you still get all the rewards and you still get the the check mark so i i highly approve of all that mm -hmm. the other thing a couple of other elements to the um to the kind of missions self-contained mission levels that i like is as well as just it leading into a certain kind of level design that that i appreciate each level also has a number of the Kadama in them that you have to find. It was my favorite kind of finding cute little things quest since the Jinjos on Banjo-Kazooie. Um, and I'm, I've got them all. Uh, there's also hot springs, one on every level at least, I think, um, where you simply take a bath and you get a healed up and a little buff. But some of them are quite well hidden, which I thought was fun. And again, there's a trophy for doing all those and I'm happy to have it. And my other favorite thing I think each each and every level bar, bar London has a living wall, I think which right, can yeah. be approached in a, num a number of ways. I think, is there one or two where you can actually, like, uh, you pull off a label that you find? Yeah, so on each of the living walls, if you're able to circumnavigate it and get around the other side, you pull a talisman away. Get around the back. Uh, basically, you just get to it. That's right. But if you don't, um, there's a wall which has eyes and grumbles at you in every single level somewhere. And you can simply hit it and have a fight with it, or you can bring up your gestures menu, of which there are many, also loads of unlockable ones and things like that, which obviously can be used in, in multiplayer. But if you read the mind of the living wall and get the correct gesture, it will bow to you and let you through and leave you some items and open up a whole other section of the level. And I loved all that. It felt almost like, yeah, like kind of, I don't know, Mario kind of secrets mm. and stuff like that. Is there actually any way to tell what the wall wants to see? Because if there is, I never found eye it. Eye color? I don't think so. I was wondering. Yeah, the eye color corresponds Maybe. to the row of gestures that you have to use, but then you still have a yeah. one in three chance of getting it right. Well, I guess yeah. that's still better than... 
than, than I was yeah. thinking of before. There's a trophy for <laughs> reading their minds a number of times, but um, yeah, right. you can it just is keep trying until, until you fairly get Fairly panic-inducing moment when you don't get the one it likes because th- those things are no joke. They will stomp you. Oh, yeah, that's a hard fight. Mm-hmm. Chuck rocks at you and sm- slam down on you. On the subject of uh, Tory Gates, Regia says, I played most of the game in co-op with a friend using the Tory Gate system. The shared health bar was a clever addition I didn't think I'd enjoy, but it really forced us to cooperate, stay close and look out for each other instead of wandering off and doing our own thing. Great stuff. Yeah, I did. Uh, I did play a couple of bits with randoms by uh, basically you go to the shrine and offer up a cup and just don't put any criteria in and just wait for somebody else to jump in your game. And I suppose that's what maybe that's when if you jump into somebody else's game, that's what happens. Maybe you're you're only going in for co-op. There are PvP aspects. I know there are because there's a whole menu dedicated to it. But yeah, Kurkeshfilian, five years into Neo's life cycle, how well populated was the kind of random encounter stuff? <laughs> well, bear in mind this game came out again in early 2021 as a PS5. Uh, client so that did spike the uh the player base again presumably to some extent uh but what happened was um when i first started playing it or maybe no maybe not more recently than that i was able to get some people to join a couple of times and indeed the the aforementioned boss that we were talking about earlier butterfly lady um she uh she was taken down largely by a random <laughs> while I run around the edge of the arena. Um, we're, and it was nice. We did the gestures. We bowed to each other as as they arrived. They kicked ass. All that, all that stuff, all that good stuff was there. But yes, actually, even though this version that I was playing is only a year and a half old, uh, the last few times I attempted to summon some random in because you weren't around, Rich, um, it didn't didn't happen I, I had my gate open for hours and no one was biting so yeah that may not be a a viable route <laughs> busker lily from our forum says i'm a big dark souls fan and a huge nerd for japanese history architecture and aesthetics neo's mix of real world samurai figures and brilliantly realized yokai enemies really spoke to me and i enjoyed it for a while in the end, though, the difficulty just wasn't pitched right for me. Challenges never felt good to overcome, just frustrating to bash my head against, and they left me empty when I put them behind me. Maybe if I watched some videos, got good, and played it like it was my full-time job for a few months, I could see this through, but I didn't think I'd enjoy my time with it, and there are several other samurai games I want to get to on my PS4. Sorry, Neo, you were cool, but I guess I wasn't. There is a manga... I don't know if it was localized into English. I guess not. I don't know. Uh, a manga called Neo, the Golden Samurai, was written by Yosuke Katayama and began serialization in Weekly Shonen magazine starting in May 2016. And finally, Kos, or some say Cosm, from the forum says, Overall, I enjoyed my time with this game, but after getting the platinum for it, I had no desire to go back to it. <laughs> well, yeah, you did everything. <laughs> I mean... I, I, I say that. That's that's not true, but you know, you know what I mean. That's yeah, how I felt about like, going to college, too. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I feel like you probably got your money's worth, Cosm, even if you uh, even if you paid full price, because you probably had to play at least a couple of hundred hours to get the platinum. Sorry, a couple of hundred hours over the requisite time to actually get to the end of the credits as well. Yeah, right. I noticed I've got 66% of the 
base game trophies after. Yeah, I, I haven't looked at the, the, the trophies so, itself, but I know in Neo Two the 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 limiting thing for the trophies for me is that you have to raise your efficiency and proficiency with every single weapon to maximum. That is hundreds of hours worth yeah. of effort. Yeah, yeah, I think there might be some similar ones, but um, anyway, three word reviews quicker than doing that. Follow us on social media at Kane and Rinse. Busca Lily says, bit too hard. Matt L says, excessive enemy stats. Tales from the Backlog says, too many mechanics. David of, of Majula says, hard item bloat. Robin Hoodie says, sloth talisman OP. Uh, David Scary says, Diablo Dark Souls. Indiana747 says, try, try again. Danny Spiteri says, stylish samurai satisfaction. James Middleton says, top tier Souls-like. Thank you, everybody. So, Neo 1, then. Let us summarize in whichever way we see fit, starting with, I think, Ryan. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. I, I appreciate the ambition of the game. I really, really like that first level, um, especially uh, the one that they used as a kind of technical beta. I think that the kind of navigation around this little town and taking on these really kind of challenging soldiers as you're moving through it was really thrilling. And the there was just enough kind of tucked away out of the way secrets to make the exploration really kind of fun. And, um, and so, you know, I think that is kind of what I appreciate most about this game is that there are a few like really good, really good levels that, that kind of facilitate this nice Ninja Gaiden ish, Dark Souls ish combat system that is, you know, surprisingly versatile uh, despite a relatively kind of narrow number of different weapon types. But yeah, ultimately it was it was too much for me. Uh it's too too difficult for my tastes. And I, I say difficulty like it is a singular metric. It's definitely not. Mm -hmm. I've played all of the Dark Souls games. I've played, you know, I've I love Bloodborne. I've I've beaten Elden Ring. Like this type of game is not something that I usually struggle with. But in this case, it just I found it to be extremely overwhelming and in such a way that it ended up like really hampering how much I ended up enjoying the game. Not necessarily the game's fault. It's just it just didn't quite sit right with me from a difficulty perspective. And then not to mention just the kind of it's a pretty rough port on PC. Uh, there's the kind of graphical glitches that I talked about earlier. It's not the easiest to navigate from uh I mean I talked about my frustration as well with the remapping of controls also remapping controls during menus and then the kind of graphical interface not doing you any favors and keeping up with those changes just little things like that that kind of added up to to it being j just enough of a rough experience uh you know I I talked about playing it on Epic Game Store I usually try to play things on Steam when I when I have them in both places. And the Steam version was in even more of a kind of rough shape. Um, I think it was, I think I was having trouble getting the like a resolution to display correctly or something. Um, something that was like a real kind of fundamental problem with like playability. And so mm. it was, I, you know, I'd have a hard time recommending people play it on PC. There are plenty of other places where it's available. PS4 version is widely available in a, in a bundle that includes like all of the DLC, not that I would ever reach any of it, but you know, it's nice to know that I have it just in case. 
And then the uh, the remastered version is available on PS5 as well, oftentimes bundled in with Neo 2. So, you know, I'm I'm interested to to play the sequel, not necessarily enjoying the first game didn't really do enough to put me off of playing the sequel. It looks really imaginative and colorful and exciting and the enemy designs are um really engrossing. So, you know, I do still want to continue with the series. I'll just say that like for me personally this one wasn't uh just wasn't my cup of tea. So sorry, but that's where it found me. Fair enough. But thanks for joining us anyway. Sticking with it. Leah, I, I don't know really if it's you or me next, but... Um, I think we're probably around the same They've area, heard enough probably. of me, so yeah. uh, crack um, on. Yeah, so I, um, I really liked Neo. I think I probably prefer Neo too, but that's not this podcast. So, uh, you know, I, I, I just, I, I really do think that having it be so closely linked in people's perception with Dark Souls is kind of a, a problem uh, because it's not, I mean, it, it obviously, very obviously it draws a lot of inspiration, but it's not the same game. And I know that for me going into it, thinking that it was basically a Japanese Dark Souls probably would have disappointed me ultimately if that is all I was expecting from the game. So I I don't know really that that means I'm recommending it or not recommending it. I, I do recommend it, but with the caveat that I think you need to go into it, not necessarily already having that comparison setting your mind. It has some issues, and I would highly, highly recommend playing with a uh, a partner, um, or, or you know, if you if you can bring a consistent friend in with you, that's probably the best way to do it. Just even if they are not an overpowered person <laughs> who is going to just walk <laughs> you through the most of the game, I, I think that you're probably going to have a better time if you do have somebody with you to um, to kind of bounce along through it and and. You know, I I agree with what Ryan said. You know, there there is always going to be some kind of PSN sale. I'm pretty sure it's been on. Well, actually, you know what? I checked the um, the uh, app here, and it is on the the PS Classics thing. It's the PS4 version, but you know whatever. Yeah. Sure. The PS4 version can confirm is still good. So um, yeah, apparently, don't play the PC version, maybe. But mm. um, but yeah, if. If you already have um, the PS Plus tier that allows you to get three games, um, then, hey, give it a shot, I would say, and uh, and see what you think. It's 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 got a lot going for it that is not necessarily the same as what you might be thinking it is. So, yeah, I, I, I think it's worth a shot, and I enjoyed it. Glad to hear it. Uh, I also enjoyed Neo a lot. Really like the atmosphere. Um, the... The level of challenge is, yeah, it's pretty high. Uh, even if you are lucky enough to have somebody who can help you through some of the levels, as I say, I think that's probably recommended. But although some people I know will definitely want to kind of do the whole thing themselves, I feel pretty satisfied and um, pleased with the progress that I made as a solo player, but certainly more than grateful to have that that available to me to take some out, take out some of those bosses without having the endless kind of failures and retries uh, one thing i will say about the ps5 version in particular is uh, that the load times from the ssd are even faster than the ps version ps4 version from the ssd to the point that they're almost non-existent which for a game like this can be really helpful uh, you will spend a lot of your time 
running back through levels you've already run through to pick up your guardian spirit grave that's sitting there with all your delicious Amrita in there. Uh, and I imagine you'll go through the same journey with this game as you may have done with some other games of a similar nature where you start off and even just meeting one regular guy with a stick feels utterly terrifying. And then by the time you've played the game for many hours, you walk into a room with a once utterly imposing boss and very quickly take it down and watch it explode into a shower of loot and get a lot of uh, endorphins for all that. Uh, yeah, I I don't think I've quite done with my playthrough because now I've invested so much. I want to just see if I can just maybe tick off a few more things, maybe just have a look at the DLC, even if I don't get anywhere with it, seeing as I sort of paid for it as part of the bundle. Uh, but I'm certainly very much looking forward to Neo 2, having enjoyed this game quite a lot and having fans of it, such as Leah and Rich here, telling me that uh, it may be an enhancement even. So uh, that's all quite exciting. Um, but yes, I do recommend Neo with all the caveats that we've mentioned about the challenge level sloth talismans <laughs> uh, let's conclude with rich yeah um i talked at the beginning i ended neo 2 uh, well sorry not neo 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 with um yeah not the right spirit you know like i didn't really care for team ninja games while i completed ninja garden black and uh, metroid of the rem in particular i didn't think they were particularly very strong titles and there's also a sort of element of like team ninja mean-spirited nature it's a very demanding mm -hmm. game neo is no different it's just got the added sort of um misery of things like pitfalls to kind of contend with so i was definitely <sighs> looking for an out when i first played it and that uh, bridge level was just the excuse that i needed but for me, I'm really happy that Jay came and asked me to come and play it again with him and picking it back up and playing through it. quite realise how wrong I am, I think, to try and sort of give a concise summary of what I like about Neo. Like, certainly why it's up there for me is it's about as close to a game as a service that you're probably going to get without <laughs> being a game as a service. It's all back-end mechanics. It's all interest in sort of incremental ways to engage with some of the mechanics that actually make the game a lot more um, sort of agreeable with you if you're willing to actually invest the time and effort. And if you can divorce yourself from that Souls mentality, it's probably going to do you a lot of good. Think of it more as like a Monster Hunter game where you can go in there and grind levels and sort of like play around with the sandpit in a way that you might not be able to in like a Souls game, which is a very kind of... Um, like one directional um like way of playing it i am um, think that it's a, a, a game really that has one of the most um interesting co-op elements in fact two of the most interesting co-op elements <laughs> that kind of orthodox souls like game in this um other kind of toy gate expedition that i talked about earlier which makes the game a lot more agreeable if you really get frustrated with the actual kind of summoning and and unsummoning and you know that staccato backwards and forwards nature of um what you get from a souls game as well um, ultimately, what I would say is this, like, if you didn't get on with Neo 1, but you did kind of enjoy what it was that you played, then please don't sleep on Neo 2. It is, for my money, one of the most thoughtful and considerate improvements on an already difficult game that you're probably ever going to find. And it's such a shame that it's the end of the series. 
all of the things to do with difficulty are modular. Everything is in such a way that you can actually tailor the game in, in a way that actually is a bit more complementary to your game style. So I'm looking forward to potentially picking up Neo 2 as part of Kane Rinse in the future. Um, would I recommend Neo 1? It sounds to me like a lot of people had a very different experience to the one that I had. So maybe with a lot of caveats, find yourself a friend who's willing to go through it with you, even if they're not over-leveled. Somebody to share that miserable experience with you is going to make it a lot easier for you. I'm just really pleased that Team Ninja kind of came out and made this game. It was very sad to find out that they're moving on, but since playing Strangers of Paradise earlier this year, which is bizarrely another Team Ninja game, it seems that they've still got that, that DNA one, in there. Is it you described that as a 10 out of 10, 7 out of 10? <laughs> Somebody else would have done that, but Leah and I <laughs> played it together, and that yeah. is accurate. Yeah. yeah, It shares a lot with Neo, weirdly yeah, yeah, enough. Yeah. Well, and don't forget, Wo Long, Fallen Dynasty, is 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 looking epic and it's a different setting but it's essentially an, uh, a progression of the Neo series and that's in, it. in many ways I mean this is what I'm sort of roughly trying to express here like the DNA that they've cultivated in Neo is too good to be lost because the series is gone so and Rise of the Ronin they're doing indeed. as well so indeed yeah I wouldn't worry Neo as a series may be done but the, the Team Ninja doing these kinds of games is definitely far from done yeah Sorry, Rich. Were you finished, or did I, I steal? I am. Um, yeah, yeah. That's that's me. Yeah. I think Rich, 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 Rich likes it. Uh, all right. So it just remains for me, Leon, to thank Leah and Rich and Ryan, as well as our correspondents, and of course you for listening. Next time in issue five hundred and forty-three, when is a Final Fantasy not a Final Fantasy? I'm a fan of dismemberment.